welcome, 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 everybody. It is Tuesday, November 26th. We are here in uh, the week of Thanksgiving here in the U.S. Um, welcome to Drive Through HR. I am uh, host number one, Robin Schooling, and with me is host number two, Mike Vandervoort. Hey, Mike. Hi, Ro- hey, Robin. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Before I forget, so that to, to not only to you and our guest, Damon, but everybody who will probably be listening while they're making stuffing or something this this, this Thursday exactly. morning. Um anyway, Robin, are you are you are you eating at home or are you going out for Thanksgiving? No, we are home. It's um it's a small little gathering and um I still have to actually, you know, go do the the, the shopping for the groceries. Really? Um right. making groceries as we like to call it here. What, um what 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 is but, on the menu? Um, I don't even quite know yet. Turkey of some Doug, sort. Doug, turkey at the turkey the tur- turkey du jour. Great. Well, That's I'm, right. I'm headed to Indiana. Well, I'm in Indiana, but I'm headed to my son's house, and I'm going to see my him and my da- my daughter-in-law and my three grandkids. So, looking forward to that. I haven't been there in a couple of years, so yeah, I'm looking forward yeah, to we'll seeing be- them. And anyway, so enough about that. Yeah. Thanksgiving is upon us and the rest of the holiday season, but we have a guest today that would probably like to say a word or two. We we do have a guest, and I and I want to give thanks to our guest for joining <laughs> us. So uh, welcome, 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 welcome to uh, Damon Klotz, who is um, with Culture Amp, with like the coolest title in the world, Work Culture Evangelist. So uh, well, welcome, Damon. Thanks so much for having me, and I'm feeling um, even more thankful to be having a chance to have this conversation this week. Yes, yes. So we're uh, we're we're in HR, so we like to ask. Uh, I like to ask the uh, the cliched uh, interview question. Um, tell us about yourself. Let our audience know a little bit about you. All right. Well, I'll make sure I don't spend the whole thirty minutes on this topic, but. Uh, at a very at a very high level, um, yeah, I am a work culture evangelist at an Australian company called Culture Amp. But to explain why I do that, it's probably important to kind of say how did I get there. So, um, yeah. as you can probably tell by my accent, um, I am a, Australian, but I'm actually living out in the US. And I started my career actually as a HR graduate, HR generalist. Um, my first professional working job was at the age of 19 in a corporate learning and development department where I was mm. writing up training notes and learning about how to effectively communicate and take people on that journey and think about behavioral change. So I've been in the space um, for um, well over a decade now, and I someone's experience at work actually impacts the rest of their life, and what could we do to actually increase how meaningful that could be. So um, I've spent a lot of my time really thinking about the role of technology and what that was going to do to the workplace. And before I knew it, I was um, guest lecturing back at the university that I just graduated at. I was uh, speaking at, you know, national HR conferences in Australia and, um, you know, was writing blogs and tweeting about sort of what was happening in the, you know, the future of work and HR space. And um, I was really enjoying it. I was quite young to be doing it. And, um, I woke up one day and I was like, you know what? I am suffering from imposter syndrome. I have an audience. I have some ideas, but I don't, I don't really believe I've done the work yet to actually fully own the narrative that, um, that I, I was speaking about. So I actually put the brakes on that and I went in and I wanted to really 
diversify some of my experiences that I could have in terms of my actual work. So um, I actually left the HR sort of field for a while and I um, took on a role as uh, the global head of digital strategy, um, eventually stepped into that role after doing some contract work at a big private healthcare group, you know, multi-billion dollar market cap. And I was there for three years. I co-founded a men's mental health charity and sort of really felt the pressures of, you know, running your own business and running a startup and running a social entrepreneurship style company where you're, you know, trying to actually do good and build something. So that just gave me some really, you know, fascinating experiences. And then I felt like I had some, some better stories under my belt. And then when I thought about what do I want to do next, it's like, okay, well, I've created a startup. I've done digital marketing in a big company. I've also got a lot of passion about what's possible, you know, for the human experience at work. And when I wanted to bring all those together, um, I really wanted to understand what it would feel like to be at the start of a really fast growing startup. And I got introduced to the Australian company called Culture Amp back in 2014. And I was lucky enough to join them right after their Series A round. And, um, you know, I joined as employee 19. And now we're, you know, well over the 400 employee mark. And that's where I've been um, the last four and a half years. And I'm and I'm going to do a little editorial here, because while I have never worked for an organization where where we used used Culture Amp or worked with Culture Amp, I have I've I've been a fan since those early days as well, and got to go this year um, to it was just a phenomenal event. It was a Culture First. Um, conference and um in fact mike we did a show from there <laughs> i was, I was mm. doing a show from there um and it was um again it was it was uh, the 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 values and the ethos of what culture amp the company is working to accomplish was so clear and just uh, just imbued in every aspect of that you know, two-day event, and um, so there's there's my little editorial about it, um, because one of the things that I that I find you know interesting and so and so clear and so purposeful is that you know at Culture Amp you use you use the phrase culture first, and you know the, the conference was called Culture First. Um, why why is culture? So important, um, such an important component in the world of work. How, how have we gotten to that point where that is a driving force? Yeah, well, firstly, I just want to say, uh, you know, thank you for attending the event and for those kind words. You know, that was the culmination of, you know, seven years worth of community building that the company has done. And there was mm-hmm. a, it was a large part of, of my role. I held the head of community role at CultureAmp for a long time, um, you know, before uh, stepping into this new role as our work culture evangelist, but ultimately what I what I experienced very early on in my career was the power of a strong community. I actually that job that I got as a not a 19 year old was actually yeah. an opportunity that I got uh, from the first ever networking event I ever went to, and it was a, a networking event about employee relations law changes in Australia. So not that inspiring. Uh, wasn't talking about you know building a culture first company or what are the disruptive practices that we're seeing. It was really just about employment law. But I met some amazing people. They were able to take me on the on the journey with them, in, introduce me to people, and before I knew it, I was working in this space. So a lot of the work that I did at Culture Amp was building the community that I wish existed, but I was a practitioner because I do believe mm-hmm. that if it did exist, 
I'd probably still be a practitioner. So um, mm-hmm. I, I'm really proud of what we've built to actually, you know, grow this huge global community where we can, um, you know, keep people inspired. But at, at the heart of that community is this idea of building a culture first company. So um, at the heart of the idea of culture first is a commitment to amplifying what people, what people are capable of being and achieving at work. So when I think about culture, I really think about, you know, the way that we relate to one another, it really sets the context for the work that we do. And when I think about what makes the company successful, um, to me, it really comes down to the, the culture that you're, you know, actually, you know, taking a stance on the mission of the company and the values. And the idea of a culture first company, I really do believe it is mission led and the values actually show up as behaviors. So what we're trying to do is create language and frameworks around how people can take something that used to be a little bit hard to describe, like what is the culture and, you know, rather than just saying, oh, it's just, you know, the feeling that we have around here, actually, you know, turn it into behaviors and turn it into how to create a mission-led company and how to, you know, actually have values that show up as behaviors. So um, the three, yeah, the three big pieces that I think about is you've got to really set the foundations. So, you know, what are the foundations of that culture, which is the mission and and the values? Um, The next piece of a culture-first company is it needs to be relational. So, no matter your role, you actually have the power to shape culture through how you relate with others. So there's that relational feedback a- aspect. And then finally, when it all comes together, a, a, a culture-first company is alive. It's a level of consciousness that really helps us understand that culture comes alive when we become aware that how we do things at work is just as important as what we do. So, yeah. you know, a, a culture isn't created on day one. A mission might be created on day one. The values might be created on day one. But the culture is the alive part. And that's actually, you know, the how piece. That, to me, when I think about some of my best and worst, worst experiences in the workplace, so much, so much of it has come back to the how of the work, not what I was yeah. doing. Yeah. Yeah. Damon, I have a couple of questions. Um, first is, um, just for those that may not know, um, tell us, tell us just a little bit more about Culture Amp and what you—not just what you do, but how you do it. I mean, is it a software system? Are you guys consultants? You know, just kind of lay out the company framework for us before I ask a follow-up question. Sure. Yeah. So uh, we are a software platform. So uh, Culture Amp is a people and culture platform that really helps companies uh, take action to improve things like employee engagement, retention, performance, effectiveness while actually helping turn their culture into a competitive advantage. So uh, the feedback that we analyze helps over 2,500 companies around the world measure their people and culture in real time. And, um, you know, some of the previous places that I've worked at, um, uh, our customers, which is really exciting. And, you know, we help anywhere from the 50-person startup that's going to be 500 employees in in three years and help them grow to 100,000-person retailers who are trying to measure Mm. the employee experience from the CEO level down to someone products on the shelf. Yeah, I was, I was looking at, yeah, uh, you know, I'm not going to name, but I, I was looking at the list of your, some of your clients on your website earlier. Um, the follow-up question, I guess, is this. Um, Culture Up has been working in this area for a while now um, and collecting variety of variety of different kinds of data from, from your clients. Um, what, what sort of data does exist for your clients and what sort of resources can others access through Culture Up? Yeah, so when I think about the data that, you know, we help companies understand, it's definitely a high level measuring some of the outcomes that companies are trying to hold themselves accountable to, so things like engagement scores, 
level, you know, how effective employees are, but we also have a lot of, um, you know, what would probably fall more under the employee experience category of feedback, which is things like measuring diversity and inclusion, uh, well-being levels, the onboard experience, the exit experience, uh, whether the benefits are really resonating. So basically, you know, when I think about if you were to join a company, you know, today that was using CultureAmp, you might be measured about your candidate experience and whether the employer brand matches the actual, you know, the marketing that is being put out there. Once you onboard, you might have, say, 5, 30, 90. And then once you're embedded into the company, then you might start, you know, receiving surveys where you're, you know, giving your feedback on things like diversity, inclusion, well-being. Um, and then at the same time, you know, the company could be running their performance cycle, their goal cycle, their check-ins, um, all the way through to exit. And then, you know, if you're a manager of that employee, you're seeing all this in real time and it's providing actions, not just feedback. So it tells you where to focus, but also ultimately how to take action because companies with this is they say, oh, I think we're surveying our employees too much. And it's not a it's not survey fatigue that a lot of people are actually experiencing. It's a lack of action fatigue. It's I keep being asked for feedback and I don't see anything change. So that's really where the um, the, the true value of, of Coltramp is, is not just making it super easy to actually um, ask for feedback and analyze it, but ultimately make it really easy for your managers who are you know responsible for the containers that, that they create for their teams to ultimately take action. If, if, if there's the biggest um, problem, I would say, with any sort of internal survey data, engagement surveys, whatever, is it's exactly that. I, I, I joined an organization once that um, had done an engagement survey mm, probably about three years prior, and I had the, you know, the, the results binders upon binders were on the bookshelves that I inherited. And, um, you know, I pulled those out and looked at those, and the feedback that was given three years previously, um, you know, oh, why, why don't, you know, an overriding desire to do this or change that or here's a question or here's a way to make this better. And none of those things had been acted on in, no. in the time. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, ask. Ask for information and don't do anything with it. I think is often our our, our biggest uh, challenge and also our biggest opportunity. I guess. Uh, let me yeah, do a quick reset here. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Damon. What you were describing there, like I think a lot in metaphors and symbols, and I think it's probably the marketing side of my brain. But like, you know, that is someone who has created a cultural artifact, uh, which is yeah going to sit there on the shelves and get dusty and be, you know, it's more like a museum relic. What, you're, what yeah. you're looking for is actually more like a Wikipedia page, something that is updated in real time that has the context of the modern day of what's happening for your employees at work that allows you to understand it and then actually use that information to do something. But unfortunately, Robin, your experience is uh, still uh, far too common and, you know, we're out yeah. there to help, you know, we... Um, have 3 million employees that give feedback on our platform each year and you know we're hoping to get to the 100 million mark um, in, a, in the coming years so that your experience um, is less of an outlier. Yeah. Uh, let me do a quick reset here because we are uh, just over halfway through the show. Uh, you are listening to Drive Through HR with, uh, with your hosts Robin and Mike and our guest today, uh, Damon Klotz with Culture Amp. Uh, let me also do a shout out to our sponsor, Q Inc. 
and uh, that gets us through our our necessary halfway through reset. <laughs> and um, let's let's continue the conversation. Um, you know, one of the things that um, uh, that that Culture Amp is working on, and and again, this was um, this some particular components of this were unveiled at at Culture First, but an important part of the work and an important part of that cultural discussion um, is in the areas of diversity and equity and inclusion and belonging. Um, what are some things that that you all have discovered? Um, you know, what are some of the ways that companies and, and leaders in companies uh, can do to make sure that their organizations are designed for inclusion? Yeah, it's obviously a topic that um, is incredibly important right now, and I hope we're seeing improvements over the last sort of five to ten years of having so much attention focused on this. But ultimately, I don't think this is a conversation that's going to go away, um, mainly because I think we can always be improving the areas of diversity, equity, and inclusion inside of a company. Um, one of the biggest findings that we found over the last few years is, you know, when analysing engagement data and DNI data um, next to each other, we're seeing a really strong link between, you know, the idea of whether someone belongs at work and whether someone's highly engaged in their work. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think we're all trying to strive for a culture where people are, you know, engaged, motivated, and want to stay at their company and feel like they um, can belong and feel like they're in a position where they can actually, you know, do the best work of their career and experience high performance. So. Um, I think this, this conversation is shifting into when engagement, you know, performance and belonging all come together, um, you know, that is a really powerful story that no organization can ignore. Um, some of the other things that, you know, when I think about this question that come up for me is, you know, without intentional inclusion, you'll unintentionally exclude people. So mm-hmm. intent, like being really intentional with your strategies, with your marketing messages, with your, you know, people and culture strategies, with your policies, you know, you really have to be intentional with actually building for inclusion. Otherwise, you know, what we found is you are going to unintentionally exclude um, a large, you know, portion of your workforce. And um, one of the ways that companies can actually take action on that is to really think about the power of in- intersectionality uh, when it, you know, when they look at the diversity metrics inside their company. So, you know, for those who aren't familiar with that term, it's really around. Um, you know, looking for the group within the group that you can actually improve the experience for. So, um, you know, rather than just saying we're going to put out a policy that improves our, you know, female's experience at work, it'd be what would it look like for us to actually go deeper and say we want to improve the experience of women of color inside of our company and actually going in because, you know, when you go deeper and deeper, what you find is the experience really changes. And um, I don't believe that Culture First Companies are trying to do blanket approaches anymore where the whole company needs this. You know, we have access to the data to really understand, you know, how can we actually improve the lived experiences of people at work? And intersectionality is one of those ways that you can say, you know, we're going to focus on, you know, people with disabilities, right? And then go deeper into what are the disabilities that we actually, um, that, you know, people have inside of our company. And you can use our platform to actually, you know, find some of those things out in a way that, um, you know, actually improves people's experience at work. So um, the other ones that really, you know, come up for me is just, 
being really transparent and leaning into the discomfort that actually happens through this conversation. Like, I don't think any company is going to put their hand up and say, you know, we have nailed this. We are, we are perfect in D, E, and I, you know, we are, there is yeah. no, no such thing as perfect in this space. There's no such thing as winning the D, E, and I, you know, strategy. It's around constantly improving the experience for people at work. And, you know, with that, I think you really need to model vulnerability at the leadership level. Actually, you know, own up to the data, own up to the experience, say what you're going to take action on. So, you know, there are some of the ways that you can actually move from just talking about this to actually um, having the impact and taking action on um, a really important topic and one that, you know, impacts so many people around the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Damon, uh, CultureAmp, I think, has some some resources uh, available to help help companies and clients with these kind of issues. You want to talk a little bit about some of those, your toolkit? Yeah. So a couple of years ago, you know, we have all this incredible um, data and data. I say data and data, and I forget what country I'm in, so I use them interchangeably. <laughs> That's the Australian-American in me. Um, but, you know, we had access to all these incredible benchmarks. You know, I think we're going to – we're nearly over 100 benchmarks in our platform, and – a couple of years ago, we said, you know, we really want to create the first benchmark around what um, diversity and inclusion really looks like for the tech industry because there was you know, so much investment happening there. So, you know, for one year, we actually made our platform free to anyone who wanted to run a um, diversity and inclusion survey so we could actually look at that data. And, you know, we did that a couple of years ago. We put out their report. It was really well received. But this year, we actually wanted to go a little bit further and say, you know, what is the dent that we want to make in the world of work? How can we actually utilize what we have? You know, as a company, you know, we're also a certified B Corp. We, we stand for a lot of things that maybe a traditional SaaS company might not. So we're saying, how do we actually use what we have access to, to you know, to, to change the world in a positive way? So what we created was, you know, we really reduced the barriers that might have been stopping you from taking the first step towards understanding d at your company. So we created this free starter kit, which includes our research-backed survey, the analytics and back end of the platform, on-demand training, and recommendations for driving change, so you can actually improve DNI in your workplace. And we're making that free. So um, culturamp.com/start. You can just go there and learn. And you know, obviously, you know, we are running a business here. We've taken significant venture capital, and we're growing very fast. And um, you know, but that also allows us to do things like this and say, you know, what, yeah. what is the impact that we want to have? And, you know, providing a part of our platform for free to actually improve the um, diversity and inclusion, you know, policies, practices, and actions that people are putting in place inside their company feels like a really meaningful way to actually mm. uh, leave a bigger dent in the universe. So it's something that we're all really proud of. And I think it's just one of the reasons that, um, you know, keeps me so motivated and excited about, you know, building that Yep. Yep. I love it. I love it. Um, another exciting thing, and this is very meta, right? Meta, meta. The fact that we're meta. on one podcast <laughs> talking about another podcast because um, Damon is going to be launching, or the podcast is going to be launching next week. So tell us about the the, the upcoming launch of the Culture First podcast. Um, what you're, what you're going to be covering? I know you've, you know, got uh, got a slate of guests when when it's going to be on, all that good stuff. 
Yeah, so um, if you remember back to the start of the show, I said I used to be a full-time speaker, keynote speaker, trainer, uh, consultant, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, when I when I did suffer from that imposter syndrome, it was because I really wanted to stop telling stories of companies that I didn't know anything about just because I, you know, heard about them somewhere. I wanted to tell stories about people that I'd actually met and had experiences with or, or built something with. So, you know, from joining Coltrane so early, I joined when we had... 19 employees and 100 customers. We've now got 2,500 customers, this huge community and incredible thought leaders who we're doing work with. So um, when I reached, you know, just over the four-year mark, which is, you know, well beyond the average tenure for so many, you know, SaaS employees, right. I, was, I was like, you know, what would actually keep me excited about maybe spending four more years here? And I said, you know what, I'm really passionate about going back to what I, I used to do. And I feel like I've got the runs on the board to do it. I want to tell world-class stories about what's really possible at work to change the experience that people have because I'm just so fascinated about why we do what we do where do we do it and how do we improve it so when we thought about you know creating the culture first podcast um, I felt really lucky that the team at culture Amp said you know would you like to be the host and as part of that as our work culture evangelist my whole role is really around telling stories that do improve the world of work so um, we're launching next week and the culture first podcast uh, is for me I think what really makes it fascinating is it's the kind of podcast if you're a HR practitioner or a leader listening to this that you're going to want to send to your managers I've really centered it around managers and individual contributors being one of the biggest levers for change that we have inside of a company so we're definitely going to be touching on some of the people and culture trends um, but it's really the podcast that you send to the people who are actually creating the containers for the teams to actually really show up so um, some of the ways that I've really tried to make this actionable for people is we've got an incredible like, sort of you know guest that's either really well known or someone that you should know as the anchor. We go deeper onto one of the subjects with a second guest, and then I really bring it to life with Culture Amp data and some of our customers. So, you know, episode one uh, launches next week, and I'm speaking to Esther Perel, the you know world-renowned mm-hmm. psychotherapist, and I'm having a conversation with her around relationships at work, and then. One of the topics that we really dive into is, you know, can you build strong relationships with people if you don't see them? And I know so many of our customers are now going fully remote first. So I spoke to the CEO of a fully remote company about why he's gone fully remote and the impact that it has on their people, as well as the director of people and culture at a another fully remote company about the people and culture side of building relationships with people you don't see. So that's just one of the episodes. I've got um, Simon Sinek, Deray McKesson, uh, Adam Grant, Claude Silva, and just all these incredible guests that I feel so privileged to speak to. So, yeah, culturefirstpodcast.com. Please subscribe. I'm looking forward to sharing this okay. with the world. Yeah, we, we need to um, we need to talk to you about booking some guests at some point. Adam Grant would be great <laughs> among some of those names that you dropped. So, yeah, anyway. it's really exciting. Yeah. Well, we are uh, we are just about ready to wrap up. We just have a couple of minutes left. So, um, Damon, why don't you uh, let our listeners know where they can find you, where they can find some of these resources, again, that we've talked about and um, how they can access things. Yeah, so um, if you're fascinated about anything that I said and you want to chat more about it, I am at Damon Klotz, so D-A-M-O-N-K-L-O-T-Z or Z, another one I get confused with, uh, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, I've got a 
incredibly outdated website that is well overdue. But if you wanted to see my early ramblings about HR, <laughs> they're all on there as well. Um, and then, yeah, culturefirstpodcast.com is where you can you know, get more information about the show. Make sure that you subscribe. You can see the teaser episode that's out now and then get ready for that episode of Esther Perel. And then if anything resonated about CultureAmp and the platform, uh, CultureAmp, so C-U-L-T-U-R-E-A-M-P.com. And then uh, cultureamp.com slash start if you want to learn how you can take action to improve diversity and inclusion at your company. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Damon, for joining us. Um, I think we all we all can agree that, um, you know, a better world of work is out there. And, and I think we all get together and we make it happen. So. <laughs> Not all of us. Exactly. Thank some, you so much some, for having me. Some yeah. still haven't joined the. Some still haven't got on the train, so we still have work to That's do. That's true. <laughs> Damon, as I said earlier, nice to meet you. Thanks for being on the show. No Happy worries. Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah. Okay. Likewise. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye, everybody. <laughs>